this morning, Father, we come before you. We need you so much. We are lost without you. You know that, and we know that, God. And so I pray even now, Holy Spirit of God, that you would have your way in us, in this place. Teach us something. Show us something. Allow us to remember the things that you want us to remember. Show us from your word where you want us to go, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you don't leave us in this world to figure it out by ourselves, but you give us the word of God. And so today, even as we uh, are ready to receive what you have to say to us, we thank you. We do it in the spirit of thanksgiving. We thank you for life and breath. We thank you for another day. We thank you that we are here today, gathered amongst people that are following you, people who are hungry for you. We're thankful that we're here in 14621 in a difficult part of the inner city because we believe that you're here, God. And if you're here, then your church is here. That's why we're here, Father. So we thank you for that. And we do pray for these streets and the surrounding community that you would do a work unlike anyone could ever imagine, God. You can do things better than anyone else can. And we thank you. I ask now, Father, that you would stand in this my body, that you would think with my mind, and speak with my tongue. Say to us today those things that you would have us know. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. When I was a kid, around, right around 10 years old, I had been put in a class, a karate class, a martial arts class. And if you know anything about me when I was a little kid, my older brother was really tough would fight anybody, and was you know, always looking for trouble. I was not that way. <laughs> I was kind of like the, 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 the little sibling that's kind of scared in the background, right? That was me, and so my dad said, you know, get in martial arts, you gotta toughen you up somehow, right? So uh, I, I was right around eight or nine when we started, and we started in martial arts, and, and what I did, what I could do was follow a plan. I could do discipline, and I could do that. And so, after several years of this martial art, it was called Tang Sudo. Say Tang Sudo. That is not a Hebrew word or a biblical word at all, but now you know the martial art that I practice, so um, you, can, you can know that. But it was called Tang Sudo. And so, after three years of studying that, I had to go before a group of people, a group of teachers. And so I spent three years there. My dad worked really hard with me so that I can learn how to punch and kick. I said, Pastor, you, you did karate? You did. I said, yes, a long time ago. <laughs> when I was that age, I could do like, you know, those splits that you know people can kick very high and do splits and all that stuff. Now, I have somebody very close to me that is in martial arts who says, you know, I've gotten so good at martial arts, and this person is a little bit older. They say, I've gotten so good at karate and martial arts that now I can kick people in the head. You know, like, it's, it, it, you know, my kick is, and people are like, I mean, like, oh, wow, you can really kind of stretch out there. You can kick people in the head. Yeah, no, 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 no. I take them, I throw them on the ground, and I go like this. Because <laughs> I can't really, you know, I can't really stretch out too much. But after three years of going through this class, I was before these teachers, these Tang Sudo teachers, who were in charge of preserving the Tang Sudo martial arts. They wanted to make sure that the, teach, the, the students knew exactly what they were learning in Tang Sudo. And so I went before them, and finally after three years, it was my exam for my black belt. And actually, uh, they had a midnight blue belt, which I don't know why 
And so it was after three years. So here I am, 10 years old. I am a shy kid. I'm that kid that just, but here I am after three years of working really hard, you know, I'm going before them. And the reason why I was going before them is because they were the ones, the teachers were the ones who knew exactly how to do it. They knew the art form. And so I had to go before them, and I had like a two-hour exam for my black belt. And I, some of you have heard some of the stories before. I, I was never very good at fighting. I know, Brother Carl, you can't believe that. It's hard to believe, but I really was not very good at fighting. And so I could do the kachas and the forms, but the fights were really difficult for me. And my dad said he was really proud of me because there was one part of the test I was so tired because I made you do all kinds of stuff, do all kinds of things. You had to, I, I could count all these numbers in Korean and do all this stuff. But at some point, maybe a test, my weakest part was just fighting because I don't like to fight. Because I'm a nice guy. I don't like to fight anybody. <laughs> but I had to write for this test. They want to see what kind of skills I had. And my dad that tells the story that one time, you know, I'm kind of going there. And this guy that I was fighting against was really aggressive, really aggressive. But he, he made a move. And at some point, I did something. And I went like, butt. And I just, just kicked him right here. And all the teachers were like. <laughs> and praise be to God, I passed the test. But here, but listen. If you don't ask me to do anything karate because I have no idea. That was a long time ago. Okay, That was like 30 years ago. But listen, I had to go before a group of people because they knew how the art should be performed. And so they tested me to see if I was doing it the way that they say. There might be others, but they were wanting to know if I was doing it the tongue Sudo way. Are you with me? And so we're going to talk today. The Apostle Paul is talking to a group of people called the Galatians. And he's very interested in making sure that the, the, the truth of the art of God, which is called the gospel of Jesus, that is not watered down at all. He wants to make sure that it's right. He wants to make sure that it is the true thing. And he's talking to these Galatians today. And you should have the notes uh, here available to you. And we're going to start with where he, where he begins. Paul says, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. And Brother Leosser last week did a masterful job of sharing with us how Paul had been telling these Galatians. And you know what Paul was, one of the things he was telling them? Paul was telling them his story. Say, my story. My story. He was telling them his story. This is what happened. I used to persecute Christianity, and then God touched my life, and I realized that Jesus is alive, and now I'm living for him. And he's telling this story about all the different things that he did. Even though Paul's past was not all good, he still took the time to say, you know what, I need to tell you my story. Here's the first pillar. Paul reminds us that our past is a critical part of our journey with God. Paul reminds us that our past is a critical part of our journey with God. And so just to encourage you, just like Brother Leaster did last week, listen, if you have a past, praise God for your past, because your past is part of your story. Say, my story. my story. And whenever you go somewhere, you bring yourself, and it's part of your story. Now, if your past doesn't end there, you're still alive, and we're still moving forward with the things of God. But it is important to know, and he reminds us, that our past is critical part of our journey with God. People were trying to get... Christians that were not Jewish. Say Jewish. Jewish. Say Gentile. Gentile. Back in those times when Paul is writing this, the Jewish believers, how many know that Jesus, the Christ, in his humanity, he was Jewish? Did you know that? 
Those Jewish people, this is it. Be very careful because that's the bloodline of the Son of God in his humanity. It was his choice, amen? But we have the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. The Jewish Christians were used to doing certain things that were written in the law of Moses. They had to be circumcised. They had to be they had to live by the laws of the Torah, the laws of, of the Old Testament. They had to do certain things. There were things that they ate and things that they didn't eat. And so now they become Christians. They start following Jesus, but they still have their tradition. They still have what they did. And when Gentiles, say Gentiles, that means non-Jews. Most of us are Gentiles, by the way. When they came and they heard about Jesus and they opened up their hearts to Christ, they said, I want to have that faith too. I believe in Jesus. They came to Christ, but there was a problem. The Jewish Christians, some, were saying, well, in order for you Gentiles to follow Jesus correctly, you've got to do the things that we do. You've got to worship God the way that we worship God. If you're a man, I'm sorry to tell you, you've got to be circumcised. Pastor, what's that talking about? <laughs> right? If you you need to follow the Sabbath, you need to do all these things. Yeah, we follow Jesus. He died on the cross for us. That's awesome. But you've got to do all these things. And Paul is speaking to that issue. Is it possible that you are trying to follow Christ as best you know from the scripture? And maybe someone, someone, maybe pastor, maybe some other people, no, you have to do this. You gotta do it this way. I, I in Puerto Rico where I grew up, Christianity went through a season of uh, very strict legalism. Say legalism. legalism. And so some people said, no, no, now you're a Christian, and women don't put makeup on, you gotta wear your hair a certain way, you gotta wear a certain amount of clothes because real Christians do this. Men, you, you gotta shave, you gotta shave your I remember I had to go see one said, Oh, you can't, you can't, you know, you, you can't go preach there with because everyone knows that real followers of Jesus don't have goatees, right? The Jews were saying, everyone knows that real followers by faith of Christ must be circumcised, must follow the old Jewish laws. And Paul to that, he is speaking to us today. After 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem with my friend Barnabas. I took Titus also. And then he goes on and says, I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the who? Gentiles. The Gentiles. I want you to see that. So who is Paul preaching to? He's preaching to the Gentiles. Gentiles. That means non-Jews. But where did he go? Where did he go? After 14 years, I went up to where? Guess what most He's going to Jerusalem. He's telling this story, but he's saying, I, I had a revelation, and I, I, I met privately with his esteemed leaders. I presented to those leaders the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to, listen to this, this is powerful. I wanted to be sure. Say, be sure. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race. I wanted to be sure. Say, be sure. Be sure. I wanted to make sure that what I was doing was right. I wanted to make sure that the task that I was giving my life to was a worthy task. I wanted to make sure. Say, make sure. One last time. Make sure. Make sure. Make sure. Wow. Here's Paul.
He's been preaching to the Gentiles. And now he goes back to Jerusalem. And he talks to who he calls esteemed as leaders. And he guesses what leaders were in Jerusalem that he might want to talk to. Okay, that's one, one thought. Any, anyone any other thought? Esteemed leaders of Christianity that lived in Jerusalem that were Jewish. He wanted to talk to what? The disciples. The disciples lived there. The disciples were there. And so he calls them esteemed leaders. And here's here's the next thing. And I'm going to explain it in a second. We need, here's a fun word. I know it's a long one. I apologize for it. For I know you have to write it in. We need accountability. We need accountability to stay on course. To stay on course. To stay on course. This is the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. He's doing what he thinks is right. But at some point he says, I stopped, I went to the disciples, and I talked to them because I wanted to make sure that I was not running this race in vain. We need accountability to stay on course. There's a lot of people throughout history who say, yes, I follow Jesus. And then they get in a room by themselves, they close the door, and they walk out and they say, I've had a revelation. Say revelation. And they start talking about things that are a little bit strange. But but they've had a revelation, so don't argue with my revelation. And so they, they keep on going with their revelation. There are many, many different sects that have been developed by people who got alone with God and had a, a revelation from God. The problem was that unlike what Paul did, they just went with whatever they got themselves Paul said, no, wait a second, there's Peter, and there's John, and there's the disciples, they were close to Jesus, I'm going to go talk to them, because I want to make sure, to make sure, that what I'm teaching is right. This is a powerful thing, you guys, I would really encourage you to make sure that the way that we are living, the way that we're trying to honor God, that the, the, the gospel in us it's good for us every once in a while to check, do a checkup. I don't know about you, but about once a year I go to the doctor to check my check my body because I want to make sure that things are working okay, amen? Every once in a while it is okay to do a spiritual checkup and maybe you have a mentor, maybe you have a, a leader, maybe you have a, a pastor, whether it's with me or one of our leaders, somebody that you trust that you know is walking in the things of God. Hey, this is going on in my life. I want to make sure to make sure
Cornelius, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Let me just say this. Paul is speaking to the Galatians and he's speaking to you and me today. And here's the next note. The pray, uh, there will always be someone trying to knock us off the path. There will always be someone, and I should have said, someone or something trying to knock us off That's the path. Yeah, well done. Good job. There will always be someone trying to knock us or something off the path. And back in those days, Paul was saying, there are, there are Jewish believers who think that they're doing the right thing by telling the Gentiles, you need to be circumcised, you need to follow the laws of Moses. They thought they were doing the right thing, but in fact they had infiltrated and they were preaching a different gospel. Say different gospel. If you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know that the Galatians, one of the, Paul's biggest concerns was that you turn to a different gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is God's good news. A summary of God's good news is found in John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's a, the gospel in a nutshell. Another way of saying it is God loved you enough to send his son. Believe in him and you will have eternal God loved you enough to send his son, believe in him, and you will have eternal life. But there's always something or someone trying to knock us off of that path. And it was true for the people in Galatians. What, what, are, what are the persons or what are the things that are trying to knock you off the path? I want you to think about it. Because here's what I believe, and here's what I know in my experience. We all have them. We all got something that we struggle with. We all have some person that we have to deal with. We all have something that we constantly battle with. What is that? And Paul is encouraging you and me. Not even, listen, Titus was a Greek. He was in front of the Jewish believers, the Jewish leaders, and even they did not force Titus to be circumcised. In other words, they admitted that Jesus is enough. Say, Jesus is enough. Jesus. And I just want to tell you this morning, Jesus
is, is this, I, this, this whole emphasis on money, say money. money. You know, money's always, somehow money always gets into conversations. And so this Pennyhan, I've been listening to him forever, and I have heard him all, you know, many times say, you know, send money, send this amount of money as a faith uh, seed, and then God is going to do all these, all these things. It always sounded really terrible to me and, and to many. But he's, uh, he's got huge followers. Just this week, I had my friend send me a, a video. you got to see this. After years and decades and decades of ministry, he stood up before a crowd and he said, I was wrong. This is not pleasing to God. The gospel, he said, is not for sale. And I don't ever, Lord, help me never to be a part of that. And anytime I hear anyone saying, send a thousand dollars, I'm going to say with authority, that is not of God. We didn't get into them twice so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Hallelujah. And you know what? When Benny Hinn looked at the word and when he checked around with people who are faithful followers of Jesus and he counseled with them, he looked at the word and said, wait, something in what I'm teaching and what I'm doing is wrong. There is still time or we're still alive. Let's get things right. That's what Paul was doing. Amen? Amen. As for those, we continue on, who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. They didn't add anything to my message. He says, on the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. In other words, I had been entrusted to preach to the Gentiles and Peter to the, to the Jews. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, the Jews, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. I'm going to break this down for a second. Can we study the scriptures together for a little bit? Is that okay? Listen, if the truth is contained in the scriptures, then it is worth studying the scriptures. Amen? It is worth taking the time to look at the scriptures. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. That's actually a verse, and I struggled with that as I was, how am I going to talk about that? Because it seems like Paul is saying, well, I went to them to check with the apostles, but they don't really mean that much because God doesn't show favoritism. And I thought, well, well, Paul, if they don't mean that much, then why are you going to Jerusalem to check? So they either mean that much or they don't mean that much. And here's what I believe he's saying. What Paul is about is the preservation of the gospel. Say the gospel. And the disciples were the first ones to receive that revelation from Jesus. Amen? They were the first ones. So in God's wisdom, Peter and Paul, and Peter and John were the, and the rest of the, the twelve were the first ones to receive that revelation. And you say, man, they must have been really special. I just want you to think about something. Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus, was one of the twelve chosen by Jesus. It doesn't mean that they were so amazing. It just means that that's who God gave a choice to. Sometimes we think of other people, man, I wish I had what they had. I wish I had I had been there. You know what? No, no, no. Be content and be happy with what God's doing inside of you. Because there's a reason why we are where we are. God does not show favoritism. 
But here's the thing. Paul cared about preserving the truth of the gospel. And these apostles were the first ones. And so he wanted to make sure that the revelation, listen to this, that they received at first was the same. Say the same. Was jiving, was in sync with the revelation that he was receiving now. Amen? The revelation they received for the Jews was in sync with what he received for the Gentiles. So he went to check, not because they were celebrities, but because they had the first opportunity from Jesus himself to hear the true message of the gospel. Amen? When I hear people, when I listen to people, it is more important for you and for me to listen for their message. Are they in tune with the gospel? Many hands said, I recognized for a seat I was not in tune, and now I want to be in tune. Amen? They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, Peter to the circumcised. The same God who was at work in Peter is what he's trying to say. He doesn't say that. He says, for God, our God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in me to the Gentiles. Here's, here's the deal. Each one of us has a different calling. Say calling. Oh. We're called to do different things. But we're called to maybe reach different people. You know what? I would, I'm probably never going to be as good at reaching Nedra's family as Nedra. Because it's her family. I'm never going to be as good as Sabaniah in reaching the people that he knows in his circle. Because they're the people in his circle. Are you with me? Paul to the Gentiles, Peter to the Jews. Here's the next one. Your journey with God is unique. Let's just say to you. But his message is for the world. So your journey with God is unique to you, to, to each one of us. Our journey with God is unique to us. My journey with God is not going to look the same as Julia's, Sister Julie. We're not going to look the same as coaches. But but it, it's a journey, right? Say journey. journey. It's unique. Uh, look at the person next to you and say, I'm unique. I'm unique. I'm unique. Yeah, just tell them I'm unique. You look especially you, absolutely. Very unique, right? Because we're unique. Paul had something unique going on. Peter had something unique going on. But the message did not change. The message of the gospel. Your journey with God is unique to you, but the message, his message for the world, is for the world. And here's why I say that. It's for Jews. It's for Gentiles. It's for black folks. It's for brown folks. It's for white folks. It's for Chinese folks. It's for Russians. It's for Ethiopians. It's for island people. It's for the folks in the Bahamas who we pray for is going through difficult times these days. Lord have mercy. The gospel is for all. Amen? James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Here's this next one. Our journey with God connects us with God's family. Isn't that great news? Our journey with God connects us with God's family. They gave him the right hand of fellowship and with God's heart for the poor. God's heart for the poor. The only thing that Peter and John made sure that Paul 
I'm asking God as a pastor, as a human being, and as a church, God, help us to remember the poor. My heart is touched every Monday morning when I come in and I see the men and women that are poor in this community. They come and they're sitting down with Sister Ida. They're pouring out their hearts to her. They're having a coffee. They're, they're being ministered to. And, and there's something right about that, right? Like when we hear about them, and other churches have heard about this ministry, they're like, there's something right about that. You know why? Because Peter and John said, remember the poor. Paul the Apostle says, yes, absolutely, we're going to do that. There's something about the heart of God for the poor, amen? It's not just us being part of God's family. It's also God's heart for the poor. So some next steps to think about as we finish and we pray together. Think about your life and how you got here. I encourage you to journal or share with someone. Why? Because your past, your life matters. Sometimes we don't think about what we've gone through. But it is important for us to think about our life. So think about it. And maybe journal or talk to someone. You know, this is what my life has been about. Some of you maybe have something that you've never talked to anyone about. Maybe today, maybe this week, in these coming weeks and months is an opportunity. Number two, allow God's word to direct your journey from now on. Paul had to go to Peter and John. I have good news for you guys. You get to talk to Peter and John too. You know that? The way you do it is not through a hologram or some weird thing. You know how you do it? You do it because Paul, Paul certainly, John and, 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 and Peter, they wrote books. And their thoughts about Jesus and the gospel, if you want to make sure if we're right, we can just go and read the scriptures, the Bible. And they wrote books. And so you have an opportunity to, to do that. Allow God's word to direct your journey from now on. Number three, know that there is a unique calling in your life. Just know that there's a unique calling. Unique calling. If you have one more day left on this planet, God has a calling, a unique calling for you for today. And finally, remember 